Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the most popular and least listened to podcast in the world, the Sixth Sense Media Podcast, with your host, Mike Phelan. I just watched uh, Welcome to the Men's Group yesterday morning. Wow, so it's uh, it's fresh in your mind. Very much so, because there were there were some things in that movie that were rather unexpected. So, <laughs> oh, good. Well, uh, I I I want I'd love to hear what was what was unexpected for you. Uh, when when I saw the trailer, it it made it seem like it was it was very upbeat all the way through. Yeah, but it it actually gets pretty dark when you start getting oh, yeah. into the psyches of these of these men. It's not. Not everyone is as cheerful as they seem at the beginning. <laughs> right, right. That's it's true, and um, uh, the it 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 gets lightened up from time to time with some comic moments, um, but uh, it does it does. Uh, I think it ends on a very sober note. Let's say I won't say dark, but I'll say a very sober note. Um, so, uh, and um, I also think that um, it has a it has a lot of resonance also in the Trump era um, when you have uh, American men struggling with their idea of what it means to be a man in America when things are changing, jobs are going away, uh, men think of themselves as the uh, breadwinners for their families, and in a lot of cases they, they can't fulfill that role. Uh, so that, I think, adds a darkness to it as well. It's definitely a, a very topical film. Um, there's there's a lot about that resonated with me as uh, as a husband and a father that you don't see too often in any film. Uh, usually, when you see a guy in a film, they're usually either they're one or the other. They're either dopey or they're uh, a Superman, more or less. You right. see that vulnerable spot that right in the middle that we all deal with and we all kind of hide from everyone. We don't we don't usually show that part of ourselves. Right. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a very good point. And and you know, being a part of the film and uh, living with the mindset of the film for many many months, I forget that. I forget what you're talking about that uh, that vulnerability that you don't see very often. Uh, in a film or on television, I think that's really a a, a very good point. Uh, your character seems to be the most um, the most kind of unaffected by by the world. What was how was that to get into that kind of headspace? He kind of seems like he's he's kind of all right. He's got he got he has a little bit during his um, his little affirmation that. Where his vulnerability shows through, but most of the time he's kind of like, "I'm just, I'm going to go along with this. This is cool." Yeah, uh, it, it's um, 
he's he's a he's a gosh I I'm struggling to uh, this you know f- get a handle on Fred. I'm still struggling with it, <laughs> um, even after after all these months. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he's. Um, he seems to be fair. Uh, he's he's worried about settling down with his sweetheart, and um, he he thinks of her as a very straight, uh, somewhat conservative uh, uh, partner, and uh, he's worried about that. But compared to what the other men are struggling with. I'd say that that Fred is uh is is uh you know he's he's the um he's the one who is not struggling with at issues that seem to either overwhelm him or make him very angry towards other members of the group, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and and he's he's uh he, you know he has some wacky ideas, but every once in a while he'll he says something that is uh, a very concise and common sense response to what's going on around him. So he's he's basically the he is he is the eyes of the audience more or less. He's the kind of just right there in the middle where. He, he's just—he is our representation in the film. I—I I never thought of it that way, but I—you uh, know—I think, uh, except for his eccentricities, I think you're right. I think that he—he he is maybe closest to the audience's uh, point of view uh, as observers of the of the dynamics of this group. Yeah. Uh, how did you get involved with the film? I my my uh, the the casting uh, directors, um, who I think are really capable people. They came up with such a, such a, a an intriguing array of men and women for this movie. Those casting directors put out a call and my agents, uh, my agency picked it up and I went in to meet Joseph and Scott and I read for them and my, my first response to the script, uh, was a selfish response. I want to play this character. This guy this this guy is is funny. He's out there. Occasionally, he he comes down to earth and says something really sensible. And I I just I wanted to play that part. And um, and they liked my first reading. I can't remember if I did a a callback or not, uh, but. Uh, they were thinking of me as they went about casting some of the 
of the larger roles. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, they offered me the part, and uh, I was I was delighted to do it. Uh, when, when watching the film, when I would see you in, in the background of a shot, you would just you would react in very subtle ways to what's going on. When that's being filmed, how how do you judge when when's the proper time to do a response or how to do a subtle response when you're not quite sure if the camera's got you, but you know you have to react in some way to the madness that's happening. Right. That's a very good point. I think that you have to be present in the room at all times. Mm-hmm. Um whether you know for sure the camera's on you or you're not sure the camera's on you, you have to be engaged on some level. And my uh, my uh, general posture or or uh, position or demeanor in in the um, in in all of the scenes was to be uh, engaged uh, in with what I was hearing, but not necessarily engaged, not necessarily looking at people. So um, uh, a lot of the time I would be, I, I was sort of looking over people's heads. I wasn't looking directly at people. I wasn't really engaged with them visually, but I was listening to what they were saying, or I was off in my own world. And I I don't know how much of that comes across in the film, uh, but that was that's how I wanted to play his um, the I wanted to that's how I wanted to play his engagement when he wasn't talking. I wanted to be <laughs> Listening and thinking, but not necessarily looking at other people in the group. I noticed that in the uh, the very last scene, when you're waiting to uh, to take the other character home after after kind of pulling him out of his dark spot, not you're just kind of looking up at, at the ceiling and just kind of just visually taking in the the new house and. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny just to watch that. I'm like, what is going through Fred's head right now? And that's and then that is always a, a good question, and I'm glad that you know that that went through your mind as you were as you were watching it because I think I think he he's aware of the dynamic that is going on among the other people. He's aware that uh, Michael, the Joseph, Joseph Colts character, mm-hmm. is, uh, is very awkward with the father of the girl that he had this, um, this improper interaction with. So Fred is aware of those of that uncomfortable dynamic, and he doesn't want to look directly at these two people who are going through this, who are in this very tense moment. And I think 
you know, he he's looking up at the ceiling, and maybe he something even uh, takes his attention away from that moment between the two guys. And he's, I think, waiting to he's he's waiting for his moment to say goodbye to Timothy Bottoms, and then escort the leader of the group who has fallen. Escort him out and make sure that he's okay. When you have this group of great actors together and you all have to have a camaraderie that's believable on screen, uh, you all have been doing this this group for a while now, how did you and the other actors get into that sort of friendship headspace? Did you spend a lot of time together uh, beforehand, doing a lot of script readings together? How was that accomplished? Well, uh we first all came together at, at a delicatessen in West L.A. Uh, Joseph and Scott set up uh, a, a breakfast brunch gathering, and uh, and we all met there and started to get to know each other. And then um, we spent, I think, the first, two or three days of work, maybe it was only the first day because the, the shooting schedule was so short because of the uh, uh, the financing. We, we just didn't have that much time mm-hmm. to employ a crew and a group of actors. So uh, it, it, was, it was a very short shooting period but as I recall, we used the first day and maybe the first two days on the set in the house where we shot the film, and we read through the the screenplay and talked about it. And as we were doing that, we got to know each other better. There were costume fittings where it, it, we didn't have individual costume fittings we we were all together in the house trying on different costumes and uh so we had that period of time to to get to uh hang out and uh get get to know each other out of all the other uh characters in the film were were there any others besides the ones you played that resonated with you on a personal level Boy, that's a good question um I'll I'll say this uh as we worked through the film and it was 10 or 12 I think very intense days 10 or 12 very intense days and one of the things that happened to me during that time was that I started watching Tim Bottoms, uh, and I felt that he brought something very real to the character of Larry, uh, and I, I just found it very compelling to, uh, to watch him work, still trying to stay in character myself, but to to watch him play his character, I felt that uh, 
Jim has a, a quality about him that in that compels me to watch him. And I, th- I, I assume that other people have a similar reaction to him. Uh, he has that quality that uh, commands your attention, I think. And so I think for me, there there was a a connection and an empathy and an appreciation for the character of Larry uh, and also an admiration for what um, Jim Bottoms is able to do on in front of a camera. I think he's he's had a lot of experience, and I think if from his earliest days he's been a and, and the kind of actor who earns your attention, he earns the audience's attention. So that was that was a reaction that uh, that I had to one of the other um, characters. And I'm trying to think uh, what else. Uh, I was I was entertained uh, watching Phil Abrams perform. Um, I can't remember his character's name, but I, I, I found it very entertaining to observe him and, uh, and also, uh, St- Stephen Tobolowsky. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so I was, I was always intrigued with what Timothy Bottoms was doing and, I was also entertained by uh by Phil Abrams and Steve Tobolowski um and and all the characters to some degree but those those uh those three in particular. So it would be interesting to look at the for me to look at the film again and see if 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 I was actually making a unique connection to any of those people. It was you, you always caught my eye whenever I would I would notice you in in the background. So there's there's always something that you're doing that is pertinent to what's going on. So that's why that, I always that those are the things that stuck in my mind. Because usually when when an actor's in the background, you're not always catching what they're doing. But for some reason, whatever Fred was doing, it was just always like, "What's he doing? He's doing something." Yeah, <laughs> I gotta make a yeah. note of this. Oh, that's good. I'm I'm really really glad to hear that. That's that's good news for me because I did try at all times to be alive and present and uh, in and and real in the the given situation that we were uh, enacting there. Um, I have a, a a question. Well, a question or an observation. Mm-hmm. I think that uh the the film is is r- really interesting, really compelling because of the subject matter and I think it's very entertaining because of the way Scott uh Benyashar I think in particular is able to turn uh to turn gripping situations 
into comedy to 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 make the situation real, but then to to give it a, an a, an honest, realistic, humorous twist. Mm-hmm. That I think is is the great virtue of the well, two virtues: one, the subject matter, and two, the humor. And I personally feel that the film would be really commercially viable and entertaining and informative if it were about 20 minutes shorter. I just, I feel that uh, it's, it rewards the viewer for hanging in there for two hours and 15 or 20 minutes. There, there are rewards to be had, but I think that it would be even more effective if it were 20 minutes shorter, maybe more, but let's say at least 20 minutes shorter. And I, I'm curious to whether uh, you have had that feeling as you were watching the film. Did you feel like this is good? There's a lot of interesting material here, but I, it's a little, it feels a little too long. Did you have, did you feel that way too? There weren't any areas that I thought where it felt like it was bloated, but I yeah. think there are some some scenes that could be truncated where the the point or whatever nuance needed to be there was established, and then maybe it lingered a little too long. Yeah, but I, but I can't think of any performances uh, that I would that I would do away with in it. It would just it would right. be the it would be the small things that add up over time. You know, mm-hmm. cut a scene short by ten seconds or. Uh, yeah. truncate a little bit of dialogue that maybe had a pause in it that was maybe too long. Yes. Maybe things like that, but nothing that would nothing that would eradicate anyone's performance at all because all the performances were great. But yeah, oh, I'm glad here and there that would take it down a little bit. Yeah. So like me, I watch screeners all the time, so I'm used to I'm used to just sitting and just watching, watching, watching. But for yeah. but for the average person, probably just trim it down to maybe like a a slim two hours, maybe maybe eighty eighty five minutes. Yes, if you if you like really really wanted to go after that market, but you would lose so much. I, I think I think two hours is the golden point for a film like this. Okay, okay, yeah, I th- I I do think that makes sense. I think maybe if if you cut like twenty or twenty five minutes, which is what I was thinking of, you you might actually start detracting. From what makes the film worthwhile, mm-hmm. it, need, it needs to be a very human uh, human film. I mean, it, it, you can't. It's not a slapstick comedy. It's not a situational comedy. It's it's a human story, and you have so yeah. many humans in there that tell a very specific story that relates to nearly every man in the country. Yeah, you, you need all of that in there. There's there's just no way to get away with making it your typical Hollywood, you know. Uh, throwaway picture that that wouldn't happen with this. It's it's too human. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, you know, I I I've been wondering uh, what we could have done or what Scott and Joseph could have done to make the film a little more commercial because it uh, it it didn't. Uh, it, it didn't attract a general audience. I think people who 
are already uh, interested in the men's support group movement, love the film. They're they're overjoyed to see something uh, that they believe in being affirmed in uh, on on the screen. Um, but I'm not sure how you bring a general audience into that world. And uh, you, you watch uh, a lot of films, and you're you, I mean you. So you would have you would have some real insights into what what how this film could be you know how how it could be um appreciated by by a wider audience mm-hmm. it's i I would hate to say this, but they would have to recut it as a as a comedy where the focus of the majority of the laughs would either be on the bad things happening to the men yeah. or yeah. the or the nudity. And that would right. be it. But that that would be the main focus on the film, which would detract so much from the message that it has, which would be a, a tragedy <laughs> to see that yeah. happen. I, well, I'm I'm re- I'm I'm really glad to hear you say that because um, it it you know it forces me to think a little more carefully about my reaction. And maybe I've seen the film too many times. Um, but I think you know that that your reaction is uh, is very thoughtful, and um, I you know I want to uh, I want to learn more about it. I want to I want to check in with Fanbolt and um, uh, you know get uh, get a sense of of how you how you approach other films that you are studying and that you're relating to. So um, so my question is, um, how do I, how do I get to your website? I could Google Fanbolt, but just go to to fanbolt.com. Okay. Yeah. I've been, I've been a a writer for uh, 21 years now. Um, Wow. I, well, I used to write specifically for, horror websites for the longest time until I just got burnt out and yeah um Fanball just needed someone that would just write and I like to write so I just came on it was it's a whole it's like it's geekdom galore and independent films it's, it's so much more stuff that I can get my hands on so yeah when I get to see films like this I would never get to see just writing for uh, Fango or Blade Discussing or something like that and it's it's been nice to see these different kind of films come in that the normal person just wouldn't have readily available to them that they wouldn't know about right away. Yeah. Well, that's that's good news. Uh, speaking selfishly, that's good news for us because uh, you have an opportunity to nudge people in the direction of interesting independent films, and and you have you you can convey the message. Hey, here's something that you you really should take a look at that you might have missed. Um, and uh, I also uh, thought that uh, 
your your years of um, writing about horror films, uh, you probably uh, I mean, you may have seen uh, John Carpenter's The Thing multiple times. Yeah, <laughs> um, that is certainly one of the maybe one of the uh, most uh, appreciated films that I was ever involved in. Um, the the uh, the audience for that film is is very how do you say um, committed or very loyal and. Mm-hmm. And younger people keep, you know, other generations keep uh, being introduced to the film and appreciating it. And it's and it's very interesting to meet people who have, uh, you know, who have had that experience and are, have become uh, attached to that film. Uh, the John Carpenter's the thing is is a great film, no question about it. But my favorite film that you were in is actually being there. Oh, yes. That, yes. Is, that is my all-time favorite Peter Sellers movie, uh, hands down. And loving the book and loving the film and then seeing your interactions with Peter Sellers as Chance yeah. was just – it was – it was amazing. I, I can't. I can't imagine what it would be like to work side by side with that man, and in possibly one of his greatest performances. And you yeah. have to be the straight man, who just just doesn't understand how this guy can go from being just a gardener to this <laughs> national icon, which is almost. Yes. I, yes. I, I hate to say it, it's almost very relevant to today. Now you can have almost an idiot front yeah. and center and driving national yeah. policy. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Well, and and also I just want to say that that was my my third film with Hal Ashby. Uh I I did uh a small part in Bound for Glory. Mm-hmm. And then a somewhat larger part in Coming Home and then finally being there and uh, I just saw the documentary film about Hal Ashby. It's just called Hal. Mm-hmm. And I, I recommend it if you, uh, appreciated. He made seven classic films in nine years, uh, including Shampoo, Harold and Maud, Last Detail, and one other that I'm, I'm blanking on shampoo, last detail, Harold and Maud. Um, God, I'm I'm miss I'm missing one film there out of the seven that he made. But uh, I had a, a a great admiration for Hal, and it's not very often in today's world that you get to work with one director. In on more than one film, and that was one of the one of the, uh, the I I think that's those three films for me, and just working with that man and watching him in the editing room as he uh, went through post production on his films, uh, that was one of the highlights 
rest of my life as a as an actor, working with uh, Hal Ashby. And then I did four pictures with um, Costa Gavras, uh, including Missing, which is probably the best known of the films that I did with him, with Jack Lemmon and Sissy Spacek. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another, uh, you know, the highlight of of my career is getting to work with those two directors on more than one film. So I, uh, I, I recommend the documentary. I, it's hard for me to be objective about it, but I enjoyed it from, from beginning to end and I recommend it to you. I'll, I'll definitely, uh, look it up. I mean, it, it's gotta be a, an experience to work with a filmmaker that treats it as a craft not just as directing, but as an actual craft of yes. creating something and molding it and finessing it. It's, it. You don't see that too much today. You see it more as a production, not as a, a personal endeavor, which I think is the difference between uh, Spielberg of old and, and directors we're seeing now that just kind of churn out pictures. You don't really see that anymore. Yes, and, and one thing that you uh, uh, can appreciate as you watch the documentary about Hal is how fiercely he fought to make a film that he believed in. And what is interesting, uh, you know, and, and what I came away from the documentary thinking was this was not just an art, an artist with a big ego who was digging in his heels and demanding that the film has to be made my way or not at all, he actually had a feeling for the audience, I think, and more so than the executives uh, and the uh, the money people that he was struggling with. He, mm-hmm. he had his own vision, and it wasn't... It, a vision that was so eccentric that it couldn't reach millions of people. So, and I think that, I mean, that's one thing that I came away from uh, watching the documentary that he fought fiercely to preserve his vision, but it was a vision that a general audience could connect with. Mm-hmm. He knew how to make an entertaining film that said something about the way human beings are and the way they live. And you have to have that right combination of, of directors and actors, which I'm sure is a task, because you never know coming in if, if you're going to gel well with a director, right? I mean, during cast during general casting, I'm sure there's a little bit of input there, but you never truly know till you're on set and you don't know how your personalities are going to clash or anything right. like that. And you've just got to – just nailing that cinematic gold is, is so – it's got to be so taxing. I mean, that's why I failed as an actor. I just can't I – just, I just can't do it. I just can't – I can't be that guy to give a, a great performance. Uh, so – I really envy envy you and envy people that get to make movies. I get to write about them, but you guys get to make them. <laughs> well, I I love reading I love reading good criticism of 
films. I, uh, you know, I enjoy being uh, sort of jogged and nudged to think more deeply uh, about a film. So I think I think what you're doing is is really important too, because somebody can read what you have to say about a film in ten minutes, and they don't have to commit two hours and 15 minutes of viewing time unless what they what they get from you pushes them in that direction so uh and and uh i i wish i could i wish i could write i think it's uh i think it's a very important skill it's a very important form of communication it's uh you can get burnt out on it really quick <laughs> I guess I guess so. I guess there are down you know professions that look uh glamorous or uh rewarding and fulfilling aren't necessarily if you do it every day every week for years it it uh, there's there's an an occupational downside to it I'm sure. <laughs> I, I see that with actors too when I'm on set, and I see just like when when there's like 20 takes of a scene, just the frustration that comes across those brows sometimes. Uh, right. I, I just don't. I, I wouldn't have the patience for it anymore with my age. It's just kind of like just get it right, get it right, get it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate you sitting down with me and, and talking with me about this, David. It's. Uh, it's been something I've been looking forward to all this week. Uh, is actually getting to speak to you. Um, just it's it's nice to, to to see this movie. Uh, Welcome to the men's group, and then get to get to speak some speak with someone involved and get to know just how important the film really is. Not just from my personal opinion, but how it affected the actors and how you guys look at it from both a piece of art and also it's and how it'll be viewed by the general public. It's it's refreshing to get to talk talk about that without having to shill. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I uh, I I it's it's always a pleasure to talk to somebody who is who appreciates movies in a thoughtful way and you do and um so I I've I've had a good time and uh I uh oh I had I had one more I had one more uh thought. Oh yeah, I think the film uh, since the uh the the Brett Kavanaugh drama mm-hmm. um and the you know the 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 Trump Trumpian uh cadre the the seemingly mostly white American men who follow him and who feel that he he speaks for them. That's that's like the other side of the coin of uh of the film that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I think it it may be more relevant um today than than it was uh six months ago or uh, a year ago. So well anyway, I'm 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 looking forward to um to checking into Fanbolt and uh looking for your writing. Now did you say your last name is Phelan, P H E L A N? Uh P H A L I N. 
P-H-A-L-I-N. Okay, got it. Got it. Great. Well, good luck with your work. And um, uh, if if uh, you connect with uh, uh, a, a large number of people out there, maybe uh, maybe they'll be turned on to watching the film. Uh, it's, it's definitely got uh, my seal of approval, and I'm going to make sure that 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 comes through in the article that I'll that I'll write to go along with this interview. Right. I don't think anyone, if they have a chance to see it, should should pass it up. It, Right. It's definitely something that needs to be seen by a lot of guys out there that are kind of lost uh, in between the different social movements that are going on and our president yeah. are kind of they're kind of stuck in the middle and not sure they need a they need a kind of affirmation and I think this film yeah. will provide that for them. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. So uh, maybe we'll talk again at, uh, if if uh, I get another film out there. Um, We'll we'll check in again. I, I hope so. Thank you again, David, very much, and I, I wish you all the best. And I, I can't wait to see what else uh, you have coming out for us. Okay. Thank thank you, Mike, and um, uh, good luck with your work too. All right. Thank you very much. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Sixth Sense Media Podcast. You can find more of our celebrity interviews and roundtable discussions on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Be sure to check out our movie, TV, and video game coverage at SixthSense.com and FanBolt.com.